Welcome to the Dead Elephants podcast featuring Duncan and Chris. Looks like it's time to tackle another elephant in the room. Welcome back to the Dead Elephants podcast. Today we're talking artificial intelligence. Was that the real you who just said that? It, it was. Are you sure? I, uh, I don't even know what the real you is anymore. I took a blue pill last night <laughs> and I'm convinced of it. Um, huge topic at the moment. Uh, massive. And I think if you read any of the news reports, 300 million people are going to lose their jobs all the way through to Skynet is upon us. Uh, and so I figured as a guy who's done computing science, who's spent a lot of time in this area, it might be good to kind of unpack this a bit. Yeah, I mean, you're the geek here and I'm the I'm the jock. <laughs> no, I'm just nothing. I'm not a geek or a jock. Bar's low for jocks these days. <laughs> <laughs> They're accepting yeah, everyone. Just everyone's in. Yeah, look, um, elephant scale, I'm a two here. I, I don't know a lot about this. Okay. I mean, yes, you've got a computer science degree, is that right? Yeah, so a computer science degree with special specializations in e-commerce and marketing. So yep. this is not my forte. But you're just a general geek who follows this stuff too. Well, yeah, because I think there's some significant implications and and, and we're heading to a place where there's going to be a significant technological leap. Yeah. So, so the development of AI that we're seeing right now is kind of similar to the moment when the internet yep. took off for us. So by way of process, we and we said this in the last episode, we recorded an episode on this about a month ago that had audio issues and now we're re-recording this conversation. Yep. The only reason I'm saying that is in that month that has passed – Whoever is putting out ChatGPT, and I'll ask you about this, just released 70 new plugin yep. applications yep. of ChatGPT. I saw one the other day where you take a photo of your house. Was that you showing me or someone else? No, take a photo of your house and you ask it to renovate your house in a certain style mm-hmm. and it just does this amazing job. It gives you colors. So suddenly interior decorators are done. Yep. There's another industry that's, you know, in the last month, 70 applications. I'm like- the speed and the rate of this is just exponential. Yes. So there's some cool stuff coming out right now and it has some significant implications. But what I'm hoping I can do is is break it down, yep. put some of the fears at ease. Yep. And I'm going to raise the fears with my skeptic questions. Okay, go for it. No, no. I mean, just throughout. I'm, I'm, look, I'll be honest. I'm anxious about this. Okay. So let, let's start uh, in this place which is that there's software and hardware. Okay. Okay. And the software explosion is what we're seeing, but the software's um, bottleneck right now for this kind of stuff stuff where it starts to move to Skynet and- Okay. I don't even know what Skynet is, dude. Skynet and Terminator 2, right? Oh, I got you. So the machine, so so, um, uh, Skynet and the Matrix- Yeah are the outworkings yep. of something called an intelligence explosion. Okay. That is only going to happen when hardware mm. starts to catch up to software and then we develop the algorithms or the software coding that will allow us to leverage the full extent of hardware. Which is basically replacing humans. Yes. Yeah, so, so what we've got right now is AI that's faster than a human brain, but not smarter than a human brain. Because it, my understanding is AI can only uh, filter and discern information that real humans have actually given it. Exactly. Therefore, it's not smarter, but it can filter all of that. In other words, it can filter a Google search, but that Google search is actually coming from human searching. So it still needs 
actual humans. It, it needs the raw data. Inputting things into it for it to filter. Yeah. So so what you have right now is a lot of AI, all the fun stuff, chat GPT and anything that's doing videos or photos or renovating your house takes pre-existing data and then can amalgamate that based on the full research of the internet yep. and then disseminate that out to you. But it's still relying on you to say to it, I don't like this. I do like this. Can you do this one a little bit better? And then it's learning as a result of human input. Yep. Okay. So your interior decorator is not done away with yet. Mm. Your home renovator is not done away with yet. Cause by the way, it still can't build the house. Um, and so what it requires is pre-existing data to give you an amalgamation of that data in a way that it thinks you like. So AI does a few things as well. AI does really good pattern recognition. So social media for advertising, it knows what you like, it knows what you want to see, and it will feed that to you. So your, your internet searches mm-hmm. and my internet searches for the very same thing are different. Because AI knows that Chris likes it a certain way and I like it a certain way. And so it can tailor that based on um, political affiliations, um, things that you like, websites that you would traditionally visit. And so what you don't get is a academic research, which is completely independent of what you want to like. What you get is something tailored to the things that you like. So I'm already worried. Yeah, it's, well, one, it's very unhealthy yeah. because it biases you to your biases Correct. and makes an e- echo changer yeah. e- of everything you I'm do. A, I'm always right. Always right. So that's really unhealthy. You should read stuff that you disagree with. Academically, that is a really good thing for you to do. Um, the, the other thing it does well is security stuff. So recognizing faces, um, people, frames, gates, movement, fingerprints, eye, retinal scans, AI does that really well. Yeah. Um, it'll uh, do uh, research for you based on pre-existing data really well. So you can give it a whole set of commands and it can go out and pull that information together. Um, and so there's, I'm not going to go through them all, but there's about six or seven things yep. that fall under various different categories that AI does well. What it can't do is generate new ideas. So this is where human brain is faster, uh, is better Mm. than artificial intelligence. We're creative, but we're not efficient. Yes. So, and nuance, there's a whole bunch of other things that brains get that that artificial intelligence doesn't get. You know, like uh, AI is getting much better at recognizing cancer. Mm. Okay. So, So you can run it through a machine. So in the medical field, it's getting really, really, really excellent at that, but it probably doesn't still have its head completely around the Hippocratic oath and the nuances of that, Mm -hmm. right? Because you could probably program it to say, cut the cancer out, but it may do that and lose a patient. And you go, oh, it's the robot's fault. And there's a whole bunch of implications associated with that, but it was just getting rid of the cancer and it doesn't have the nuance that a human brain might have. So when does it become bad? Mm. So let's, let's, let's put fears at ease. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're looking at a thing called a quantum computer. A quantum computer is what is going to be required to make smarter, not faster, smarter than human intelligence. Because we already have faster. Faster's That's done. done. Yeah. So a regular computer works in bits, yep. ones and zeros. There's two states. That's it. A quantum computer 
has two or more states and works in qubits. So it's either on or off or a third state. If you have that and you have three states, you can do complex division and complex division uh, multiplication. So right now for a computer to do multiplication, it just adds. So you do 16 mm-hmm. times four, mm-hmm. it'll go four plus four plus four plus four all the way to 16. Just as it's so fast that we can't see it. If you have three states, it actually has the ability to then do that math properly without mm. adding. And that's when it can start to think for itself. No, no, no. That's when it's got the capacity to potentially be smarter than a human. Okay? So now the hardware – so I'm just playing it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now the hardware is caught up. We've got um, consumer-level quantum computers, which are still probably about 50 years away. Now you've got to write the software, which, by the way, is now a brand new style of computation. So that's going to take some time that can leverage that architecture to make a program that now not only thinks faster than a human, but can generate different versions of itself faster than, uh, smarter than a human. Okay, because that's when you get an intelligence explosion and suddenly you've got a digital architecture that is evolving faster than we can think. That's the danger point. So what I'm gleaning from this is uh, let's assume there is no uh, legislation or rules put around this. Yep. A robot being smarter than a human from a technological standpoint is a when, not an if. Yes. Yeah. So they have all these things saying, well, what if we just don't plug it into the internet? Right. Okay. So now we start talking theologically about our doctrine of man and going, how confident are we in our ability to say, no, we're going to stop there? Because my reaction to that is it just takes one yeah. technologically savvy nutbag to let the cat out of the bag. Yep. It's like, it's like the atom bomb. It's like, how much do we actually want to explore something scientifically? Yeah. And when do we go, actually, I know we can do it but we're going to choose not to do it because this is actually an unhelpful innovation. Generationally, we have always done, we press the red button. That's right. And that's why I'm freaking out because I'm like, the moment it becomes possible, it will happen because someone will do it whether or not governments are saying you can or you can't. Yes. It's prohibition. Well, It's prohibition. It's um, social media. It's digital technologies and handheld devices. Yeah. So we have pressed the red button on everything going yeah, down the line. because that's what we do as people. Yeah. and no, like, Sorry, not all people. So I will say the Amish don't do this. Thank you to so, the Amish. So the Amish are, are one of the few people who will look at a new technology, sit down with the eldership and say whether or not this integrates healthily yep. with a society and then they will make a decision whether or not to adopt it or refuse it. Yeah. We don't do that globally. Yeah. And we laugh at the Amish. Of course. And this is where I'm really – so I'm 38 years old. They haven't had a car crash ever in their life, by the (laughs) way. Because they don't have cars. Yeah. Um, But there's a reason for that. Sorry. So I'm 38 years old, right? And COVID was the first time, and specifically online, working from home, telly, everything, that I started to feel like a legitimately old person for the first time who not only wasn't keeping up with the kids but, quite frankly – didn't really have the emotional energy to want to keep up with the kids. Good. Right? I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I crave just seeing someone face to face. Yes. I, right? And then I look at AI and I'm just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of having my world thrown upside down again. I'm tired of everything that I've ever known 
suddenly like an earthquake just shaking under me, all these things that I assumed in this case that humans have dominion over creation. And here's where we start getting theological on it. I just, I'm tired. And I, and the thought of having to deal with AI and all of its negatives coming out of COVID, coming out of the fall of institutions, coming out of so much that is fluid in the world just exhausts me. And I don't think I'm alone. No, I, I just, so I guess I'm wrestling where, Again, I don't just want to be Uncle Joe on the front porch shaking his fist at the kids because I want to be better than that. But I'm also just like far out. Can't we just stop? I don't know what to do with that. Well, you you won't have permission to stop. The, yep. the way that we innovate is wild right now and yep. it's only increasing. I think um, I think there's always that old adage of reject, uh, reject redeem, um, accept. Mm-hmm. So you can reject the technology you can figure out a way that theologically christ-centered you could redeem the technology yeah um or you can just accept it as being good yeah right? so i don't think it's that third. and you're saying we need to do the middle where we Red- basically discern the technology yeah and i think that's a healthy place to be i think there's certain parts of this ai that are really good for you you know like if you ever wanted to write another book Mm. is that the technology is advanced enough that you can say to it, Hey, can you do me research on this very specific Mm. topic and amalgamate all the academic reports to give me a breakdown of X, Y, Z. And the more input Mm. that you give it, the firmer the output will be. Yeah. Right. That's a good thing. Well, I'll give you another example. My wife is a primary teacher. Yep. uh, Just works pretty much an 80 hour week trying to get reports done she did not use AI, uh, but a good friend who is at another school whose principal let them use ChatGPT. They put the name of the student in and you and input five genuine adjectives for that student, knowing the student. So it's not just completely robotic, yep. but they're just starting with five descriptors that would sum up that student's performance in that semester. And ChatGPT turns it into a well-constructed yep. paragraph. And as a parent, I've got no problem with that because it's not completely... Uh, disingenuous. Yep. It's just meaning the teacher is not having to craft beautiful paragraphs. They can just say, this student is dot, 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 dot. You turn it into something nice for me. And I just think that's a really good application for time poor teachers. Yeah. Which by the way, Grammarly has been doing that <laughs> forever. That's right? True. Like it, it gives you a paragraph. It figures out what you're trying to say and then gives you some constructs to do that better. Um, Spell Checker is doing the same thing. Yeah. Spell Checker is saying, I think what you mean to say is this, 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 or this, and gives you alternate suggestions. <laughs> Have you seen what Arj Barker says about that? Oh, yeah. Let's- <laughs> Google saying, did you mean? It's like, no, Google, I did not. I did not mean. Um, so that kind of stuff I think already exists and is helpful for life. I think the implications for... Uh, certain areas of data entry for jobs becomes yep. a really big issue. Um, what do you I, mean by that? Well, so AI does data entry really well. In other words, some people are going to be out of a job. Absolutely. Yeah, and it seems like the thing that's dawning on me, and to use the interior design example, it's almost like every day there's another industry that's just been disrupted like crazy. So I'll talk to interior design. Certainly artistic and creative space is a really important one because everyone gets up in arms, but it's it, it, what they should be up in arms over is AI plagiarism. Yep. AI right now is not going to create a brand new visual landscape or interior design. Yep. So you know how we're talking about um, 
uh, renaissance, postmodern, modern, you know, AI at no stage in the next couple of years is going to be Frank Lloyd Wright yep. building falling water. Yeah, It's just not – it doesn't have the capacity. It's not smarter than human. It's faster than human. So it says if you said to it, hey, can you build me a Frank Lloyd Wright house on this site, it could go and do all the research based on Frank Lloyd Wright stuff and shove it on your block and say you could do this. Yep. Um, but it's not going to come up with whatever the newest – aesthetic is mm. a human is going to have to do that a human still does that yeah and so what you should be concerned about is it plagiarizing your stuff because yeah. if it's on the on the internet ai can grab it and generate with it and there's no security around it for that mm. it just got free reign to do whatever it wants out there and so i think there's a lot of places where you say um you know paint me in the style of monet mm. well it will rip off monet to do that yeah and we all laugh and go, that's amazing. But if you're a struggling artist and you, yeah. and someone rips you off in that style and then sticks it, you just lost, what, $10,000? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Because I could have painted that work for you and I own the intellectual property to do that, but because it resides on the internet, and by the way, if I want to sell my goods, then I have to be on the internet so people can find me, that's where you've got to break down. Yeah. And that's where you've got some major issues that I think you've got to address. I mean, AI. it's 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 a legal crapshoot in so many different areas. Yeah. So I think for faith, there's some really good places mm -hmm. where like if we're serious about using AI well, then suddenly we have this extraordinary ability, which I think was really only reserved for high-end academics to have research assistants go out and and pull this information, right? Like if you're, you know, this is probably another podcast, but as you get later in life, you, your brain becomes less innovative, mm -hmm. but you, you have a higher capacity to become a, a storyteller of that innovation, mm -hmm. okay? So what happens is that you have the ability to nuance the data into a shape that makes it much easier for other people to process, which leads to innovation with a younger audience, okay? So post-40, this kind of happens as a brain thing, is that AI suddenly gives everyone the ability yep. to have a research assistant to pull that information. And what you're saying is in our resource poor churches, that's a that's a real blessing. Oh my gosh. I mean the, the time that I first got Logos Bible software, yep. right? And I was suddenly like, oh, got ten thousand books at my fingers. Yep. This is incredible. And I could do topic searches and research and suddenly it just made everything so much faster and quicker. But now you're saying the extension of that is okay, give me some suggestions for how I should word this for a Sunday and potentially yep. AI could write the message for Sunday, yep. I still have to critique it. I still have to read through it. I still have to understand the data. That should, saves me a lot of time, especially if you get like, like I get RSI in my hands and my fingers cramp up and so I can't write 10,000 words. Like I, I, I have to speak it. Yep. I just physically I can't do it. But suddenly I had a, a facility by which I could say and do it in my voice. Mm. By the way, here's all my previous sermons that you can go and listen to and then generate me something in that style. Mate, for anyone with any form of disability, what what mm. a heaven-sent mm. solution yep. 
to help you. And my friend who, well, I'll give him a shout out, Alex Yarosevich, hello. Uh, I was asking him about this and his argument for AI was that it may well give humans more of a chance to be human. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said, it, well, it, it enables us to do the high level creative and strategic stuff and not do the mundane stuff. So another prism to think about that through, when Henry Ford released the, the, the Model T, incredibly efficient way of building a car where instead of one person building a car, everyone's building a little bit of the car and passing it on to the next one. Incredibly efficient, but also incredibly dehumanizing. Yeah. Because now little old me on the production line is doing the same thing day in and day out. So Alex is saying basically it, it recaptures our ability to think above the production line, to not have to be ironically robots in one step of the process, but to do the fun stuff and leave the robot to do all the the boring stuff. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I get that argument. I think that's good. So you'd, ha- you'd have an upskilling of the workforce, yep. which would be really beautiful. Yeah. And then you'd also still need robotics engineers to help repair that thing because yep. I don't think we're pretty – I don't think we're close to self-repairing robots yep. that have the ability to diagnostically move on the fly. I mean, that it's close, but we're not there yet. So there's a whole different – there's a whole bunch of different places where there's – health to it yeah but the problem is is that historically we push the red button 100 well i want to ask you about that actually because let's assume we get to the point where we keep pressing the red button and we have a, a robot that is essentially smarter than a human yeah god says in genesis chapter one and two that you are the ones made in my image yeah it's not anything other than human creation and and a robot is not a human creation. I just don't know if theologically, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if God would let the universe get to that point. I think by very nature, theologically, if we're being ruled by a, a class superior to ourselves and we have lost our dominion, I think Jesus is coming back before that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I just I just don't see him allowing that to happen. But he does that with the Babylonians. He does that with the Syrians. How many times did he put his people in the Egyptians? What do you? I don't understand what you mean. Well, so God's people, Israel, yeah, for want of a better word, are the, are the highest form. The remnant are the highest form of creation. Yeah, sit under the authority of Christ. Sons and daughters of the Most High get put in slavery under sure. Egypt to teach him a lesson. Yeah. What's to say that God doesn't put the entire of humanity in slavery under robots and we get the matrix for real? Because if robots enslave us, the robots, like Babylon is another human. Well, hold on. Is God God the God of machine? But it's different. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Because if Babylon... If, if Israel is being captured by Babylon, yeah. you've got Nebuchadnezzar, another human, sure. taking over another doesn't human. Doesn't believe in God. Sure. Doesn't care about God. The difference He's with, got his own God. The difference with robots, though, is that we're saying no matter which way we try to cut our escape from Babylon, in inverted commas, you're going to outthink us because you're better and brighter than we are. Yeah, but that's that's It's Babylon. an unfair fight. No, it's not, though. The, the Israelites don't get out of Babylon until Yahweh delivers them from Babylon. Oh, okay. So you're saying Yahweh will somehow find a way to- He's the god of the machine. He'll, he'll put a virus in the robot world to bring them down if he has to. He'll give us a Neo. 
but yeah, not without okay. some consequences. All right. I, so that, that's where I think that if we assume that God is also the God of technology, which I think he is, mm-hmm. that if we are stupid enough mm-hmm. to not put parameters in place to yep. protect us from a smarter than human, faster than human AI intelligence yep. Yep. that then goes rogue, yep. which there's every opportunity for it to go ro- rogue, outside of a giant EMP explosion to wipe it off the face of the map, then we find ourselves under the enslavement. Yep. We all come back into a loving knowledge of Christ Jesus and then Yahweh liberates us yep. from it. Okay. No, I, I like it. I agree with you. It'll it'll look like something – we'll write it off as something human, like there was an error in the code or there was – you know, but, but we can say theologically – God handed us over to our own folly. A lot of us suffered in the process and eventually he he got us out of it. Yeah, I mean, listen, you look at Christians, we're innovative and we're we're non-innovative, right? We do both. Yeah. Is that you go, we launch the metaverse and what do people do? They put a church on the metaverse. Yeah. We launch the internet. What do we do? We put we put um, residences for our churches on the internet. Yep. We launch podcasts. What do we do? We put our sermons on the podcast. So, so wherever technology goes, Christ is following. It's this redeem idea. Of course it is. And so I go, sure. I, I have zero faith in humanity not pushing the red button. They 100% I, will press. I am with you on that. With AI. Yep. So, so what we're going to have to do is play catch up. Yeah. Thankfully, it's probably not going to be in your or mine lifetime. <laughs> Sucked in, kids. Yeah, tragically, <laughs> it'll be something our children will have to deal with. Yep. And that's where I think the, the teaching compassion, empathy, mm. a love for humanity, a love for sustainability, a love mm. for the earth means that maybe we can formulate a, a AI that is sensitive to that. Yeah. Yeah, our role, I think the environment parallel is good. We won't see the full effects of climate change in our lifetime, but we can start to put in measures now to to, to put some safety rails around it when yeah. we hand the world over to the next generation. If you said to an AI, look after the planet, <laughs> if you just said that command, yeah. it would immediately want to wipe humanity off the face of it because we're the only ones that don't really live in harmony with mm. the planet, right? You know, like, like no one's worried about badgers building yep. sky rises yep. and beavers damming up too many dams. But we are we are worried about that with humanity. Yep. So you would never plug that in. Mm. But if you were to say something along the lines of what does it look like for humanity to live in harmony with its creation? Yeah. It it might need some time to figure that out. Mm. Um but I think you know, the other issue is, is it might come back and say, okay, population, we need to decrease it by 2 billion people. Would you like me to calculate who to take out? <sighs> that's when we've got a problem. Yeah. No, that's good. It, it actually, it fills me with a little bit of hope that this is not, and I, and I like it. You've just, you've just ministered to me in saying that God is also the God of technology. And I think that's been part of the wrestle in my heart is it feels like, is this thing getting away from us? And it probably is, but your point is it won't get away from God. No, no. I mean, we. I keep on coming back to to do like do you do you absolutely have to live with technology? Mm. Like here we do, but you could you could probably still find a place on the earth where you could live a rural subsistence life. Yeah, but no one's going to do it though. That's not human nature. Exactly. This <laughs> is this is my point. Yeah, we press the red button. Yeah, and so at some stage. The pain of staying the same yeah. will be the greater than the pain of change, and then we change. Yep. And so we did that with cigarettes. Mm. We did that with 
CFCs. Um, I think at some stage in the future, we're going to do that with digital handheld devices. Agreed. I think at some stage in the future, we will do that with technology. And hopefully that starts to get implemented at a speed that stays in step with AI Mm. so we can stave this. But the moment that you hear consumer quantum computers. (laughs) Panic is the moment you should really start getting concerned about okay. AI because now there's no longer a bottleneck mm-hmm. and this thing will go real quick. Okay. All right, enough doom and gloom. Uh, we'll see you next week for a far more seriously serious and awkward conversation. Unless the robots come and kill us. <laughs> hey, don't forget Discord channel is up. There's a reason that we don't have a whole bunch of conversation on social media. Mm-hmm. We don't think it's the best place. Jump on the Discord server. We've got a bunch of people on there. Um, if you've got any questions too, there's a space on the Discord server to suggest that. Um, and we'll be back again next week with another topic. See you later.